Words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance are under attack. So is our religious heritage. We'll discuss what you can do about it. And Congress is about to expand a children's health care program fivefold. And protections against abortion are gone. Is this Hillary Care too? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. I will not hesitate to use military force to take out terrorists who pose a direct threat to America. That's uh, Democratic candidate Barack Obama, senator from the state of Illinois, running for president. Uh, the terrorists are in Iraq. He says uh, that uh, we'll go into Pakistan if needed, if necessary. One of our allies in the war on terror, Barack Obama, said in a speech in Washington today, if president, he will go after these terrorists in Pakistan. It was a terrible mistake to fail to act when we had a chance to take out an al-Qaeda leadership meeting in 2005. If we have actionable intelligence about high-value terrorist targets and President Musharraf will not act, we will. I find it very interesting to hear the Democrats talking tough. Uh, Only yesterday, earlier this week, actually, the New York Times published a piece by two analysts from the Brookings Institution who have opposed the war, now saying things are going very well in Iraq. Democrats are not too happy about that. They say we ought to pull out, uh, but uh, Obama is maintaining this pathway into some other countries there in the Middle East. White House Press Secretary Tony Snow responding to Obama's remarks, saying Pakistani security forces are now moving very aggressively against terrorists there. The Pakistanis are mounting significant efforts on the security front. They moved 100,000 troops into the tribal areas, and they're confronting them. Have they solved the problem? No. Are they confronting the problem? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today. I am sitting in flying solo today, sitting in for Dr. Johnson. One of the questions we're going to deal with today is, are we looking at Hillary Care 2? Congress is voting on a health care bill to cover children, poor children, It's being reauthorized at five times the cost of the original bill. The old bill covered unborn children. That language was very carefully crafted. It's stripped from this bill. Uh, It could end up funding abortions. Also, there is some trouble in the Senate again regarding President Bush's judicial nominees. A bit of a slowdown, some obstruction taking place. And we're going to talk about that next segment. And is this one nation under God? There, uh, there's a repeated attack on that concept, and we're going to ask Bill Murray about it. Bill Murray is the son of atheist Madeline Murray O'Hare. She's the woman who succeeded many years ago in getting prayer 
out of the public schools. We will talk to her son uh, at 5.30. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you uh, if you think you're the smartest kid in your family. There's a piece I found in World Magazine this month. A study of about 241,000 IQ test results found that first-born children, on average, scored 2.8 points higher than the second-born children in the family and four points higher than the third-born third-born children. Is that the case in your family? I don't know what my uh, sister's IQs are. I knew when I was a kid, and I know that I wasn't the smartest one of those three. Uh, But what about you? Are you the oldest? Are you the smartest? This study analyzed the IQs of Norwegian men who took intelligence tests for military conscription, and the study was published in the June 22nd issue of Science Magazine. Now, the, science, uh, the scientists looked at this data. They adjusted it to account for other factors that might affect intelligence, including the parents' education levels, uh, also the number of children in the family and the age of the children's mothers. They uh, solved it for all of those, and then they based their analysis on the average score of each birth group. So within each family, younger children could have actually had higher IQs than their older siblings in the study. But it did find that the older kids tended to have higher IQs. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, just to react to this, uh, in your family, what is your experience? The number is 800-881-9270. Do you think this study could be valid? One other point result from the study, children born after the death of an oldest sibling had the same IQ advantage as true firstborns. So uh, from that, we might deduce that family environment, not biology, causes birth order differences between children. be interesting to know what some of our listeners think about this. Uh, if they think this study plays out in reality, does it play out in your family? And again, the number is 800-881-9270. Give, give us a call and weigh in on that uh, little subject. Also, I might mention a newspaper that I go to every day, the Wall Street Journal. I at least read the editorial page and some of the other articles. uh, has actually been sold. It's been long negotiations. But the company that owns Fox News uh, will be actually taking over the Wall Street Journal. It's been a battle. The family members, the Bancroft family has owned it ever since its inception, and uh, different family members have had different uh, opinions on this sale, but Rupert Murdoch of News Corporation has gotten his wish, and he's getting the Wall Street Journal. If you read the journal, if you care about this, you can also weigh in. Uh, and we are taking your calls. Again, the number, 800-881-9270. Aline is in San Angelo, listening on KCRN. Aline, thank you for calling. You bet. Thanks for having me on. What's your comment? Uh, my comment is with regard to intelligence of older siblings versus younger siblings. Um, I am the oldest of two, and my brother is 22 months younger than I am. Unfortunately, he uh, lives in Florida and will not be listening to this broadcast, so he won't hear me bragging on him. Uh, but he naturally is more intelligent than I am. Um, any standardized test that we ever took all the way through our uh, schooling years, he scored way above average on everything. And I got to score right in the middle of the road average every time. So. Uh, we actually just don't fall into line with the study that you're quoting on the air today. And Aline, uh, if you would like to uh, let him know, he can actually hear this tomorrow if he goes to www.jerryjohnsonlive.com. Is that right, Larry? www.jerryjohnsonlive.com. Tomorrow we'll have this show archived, 
and your brother can go ahead and, and hear you compliment him. Aline, thank you so much uh, for your call. If you listen afternoon tomorrow, you can hear archives of the program just about every day. We try to get them up the very next day. Well, something else uh, that I saw in the Wall Street Journal uh, that might interest you is the fact that uh, if you hang out with fat people, You've got a greater chance of being fat yourself, and uh, so if anybody wants to comment on that, they can do so, too. Let's go to Christy in Fort Worth. Christy, thanks for calling. Hi, how are you? Great. Um, I was just going to say that I'm the younger of two children, and in our case, the study doesn't necessarily hold up, but it's been you know, my experience that usually it does. Um, my uncle was a psychologist, and he used to use my sister and I for getting baselines in his IQ studies. And starting off when I was about four, my sister and I were only about five points apart in IQ. And then in later years, mine increased until I was about 30 points higher. But um, our natures are very different. I'm very competitive, and my sister really isn't. And, um, you know, I was always kind of a scholar, and she she really wasn't. She kind of, her friend's base was much more into social life than school. And I think it made a big difference in how we tested. So uh, were these IQ tests or standardized tests, uh, standardized tests in the school? These IQ tests that he used in his practice. So you can actually, by diligence and because of your personality, uh, increase your IQ. It sounds like you did that. I, really, I, think, I think it does make a difference. I think the fact that I was so competitive and, and I was such a, you know, I wanted to have high scores and I wanted to make good grades. And my sister was really much more of a social butterfly than me. And I think it made a difference in, in over the years and how much, you know, she picked up on certain patterns that you're tested on and how you pick up on, you know, things that you learn in general. Well, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I don't know uh, what's happened in my life. I know I was the student. I was the one that liked to study, and I learned how to study. Um, not as smart as my younger sister, but in a sense, I think I, got, I did get better grades in uh, late high school and throughout college. So uh, whether or not I increased my IQ, I at least accomplished a little bit more um, academic-wise, maybe not in some other areas, though. But anyway, thank you so much for your call, Christy. That's very interesting, and I think that's something we can learn from, that diligence will make a big difference in brain power. Bob is in Terrell. Bob, go ahead. Yes, Penna. I was uh, the the oldest in the family of uh, two. I had a sister, and uh, I was the most intelligent and uh, going all, all the way through school and uh, in college, I took the uh, classes of uh, calculus, calculus, discrete calculus, uh, linear algebra, and uh, uh, my sister, she would have never been able to take those kind of classes. And I had I was 18 hours one semester, and uh, hmm. if she would have ever done that, she would have uh, she would have passed out. Yeah, I would, too. Those sound like tough classes. Thanks, Bob. We appreciate it. Bob was the oldest. Uh, Bob says he's the smartest. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, continue to call in. We'd love to hear from you on this issue. But I also want to go to another news report because uh, Donald Rumsfeld, former Secretary of Defense, made his first appearance on Capitol Hill uh, since he was replaced last year by Robert Gates. And this was, uh, he had to give testimony in the case over Pat Tillman, uh, he and some top Pentagon brass testified before a House Oversight and Government Reform Committee about allegations of a high-level cover-up in the friendly fire death of Pat Tillman. Rumsfeld said there was no cover-up. I know that I would not engage in a cover-up. I know that no one in the White House suggested such a thing to me. You may remember Pat Tillman uh, was a linebacker for the uh, Arizona 
Cardinals. Actually, he was a linebacker for Arizona State first, and he won a Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year. Then he went to play for the Cardinals. He played for them four years. He turned down a five-year, $9 million contract to play for the St. Louis Rams so he could stay with the Cardinals. Then he turned down a three-year, $3.6 million contract and enlisted with his brother in the Army. He was an Army Ranger. He was killed in Afghanistan. He served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. He was killed, and it was five weeks before uh, anyone knew, including his family, that he was not killed by the enemy, but he was killed by friendly fire. Now there are accusations of a cover-up. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld said there was nothing to indicate that there was a cover-up. It was badly handled and errors were made, but in no instance has any evidence of a cover-up, to use the phrase you used, uh, uh, been pre- presented or put forward. I know of nothing that suggests that. Uh, there has been a three-star general, General uh, Phillips Kensinger, who has as actually the one who bears responsibility for that. We will continue uh, on this subject a little bit later in the program, and you can weigh in on it now if you'd like to. Let's go now to Dobby in Dallas. Dobby, go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, when I was in high school, we had IQ tests, but uh, the day that we had them, I had the flu, and I, I you missed the I test. Performing as well, so basically, I, would, I tested in the upper seventies, uh, but I've gone on to uh, college and. I was even told by a professor he could get me into Harvard. Now, I don't think I'm of that caliber, but so I, I it kind of scared me when he said that. So I okay, Dobby, you did take the test. You had the flu, so you I probably didn't do as well as you could have. But the question is, how do you relate to your siblings? Are you the oldest, youngest, middle? Uh, I have uh, seven sisters, one brother. I'm a twin, and I'm right, at, right in the middle. And uh, I would say my brother, who is the oldest, probably has the highest IQ, and uh, from that point on, I'd, it, it, I'd get into trouble with my sisters if I okay. designated one smarter than the other. Dobby, thank you so much. We've had a little bit of fun with this, and it sounds like this study uh, may have some validity to it. The oldest, maybe the smartest in many families. Well, right now, tonight, maybe tomorrow, the House of Representatives is voting on whether or not to reauthorize the SHIPS program. They call it CHAMP now, but some people call it Hillary Care, and the House Minority Leader John Boehner is not too happy about it. The bill actually removes the unborn child rule, which uh, protected unborn children and their mothers. Is this what we have in store in the next Congress? We're going to talk about it right after this. Generations of ministry leaders have one common point, a ministry education from the Criswell College in Dallas. To date, ministry leaders from the Criswell College are in service all over the world. With the fall term just around the corner, your education can follow this same distinguished path. An education from Criswell is grounded on the Christian worldview, witness, and God's Word, the Bible. The Word and Worldview focus of Criswell gives you a more effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ and prepares you for kingdom service. The fall semester registration is August 15th, 16th, and 17th. Classes begin August 20th. See Chriswell.edu for details on classes and the Master of Arts in Christian Leadership degree. Chriswell students are ready for the challenges of today's ministry environment. Classes in evangelism, missions, preaching, communications 
All are fully accredited and small class sizes point the focus to your success. Find out more at 800-899-0012 and on the web at chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, the judicial confirmation battles are heating up again. Uh, do you remember the wars over the nuclear option, over President Bush's nominees to the Circuit Courts of Appeal that were blocked by uh, the minority in Congress? Well, now that minority is now in the majority. And uh, the blocking is continuing, especially on a certain particular judge who is well-qualified Uh, He's been nominated by the president for the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. He's Judge Leslie Southwick. Both of the uh, senators from his home state of Mississippi have uh, said that he would be an awesome judge. And uh, the American Bar Association has also given him a highly qualified rating. And yet he is being blocked uh, from consideration by the United States Congress. And uh, this is what Senator Mitch McConnell who is the Republican leader in the United States Senate. Of course, as we know, the Senate does the confirmation of judges. And uh, he offered an amendment to legislation that's currently pending on the Senate floor that would actually express a sense of the Senate on the nomination of Southwick. This is just to say we're not too happy that this is not being brought out for a vote. This nomination has languished in the Judiciary Committee uh, for several weeks, actually months, despite last year's unanimous committee approval of Judge Southwick to a district court. He has already been approved to a district court. And uh, so this is just one of those tactics. Uh, And there are many reasons for it. I think one of them is to send a message just in case President Bush gets to nominate another Supreme Court justice. Because we've heard some comments lately that uh, some of the Democrats in the Senate are not too happy with... uh, Justice Roberts and Justice Alito, and uh, that um, possibly they should not have been confirmed. This according to Chuck Schumer, senator from New York. And uh, so there's going to be a battle over um, the the, uh, confirmation of Mr. Southwick. And it's really pretty sad. The Senate liberals have been led by Senator Schumer. They're throwing down the gauntlet. Uh, In a speech on Friday, Senator Schumer said that the confirmation hearings have become meaningless. This is the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. And he said that the confirmation of Samuel Alito was, uh, without question, his greatest regret in the 109th Congress. He declared, for the rest of the president's term, and if there is another Republican elected, let me say this. We should reverse the presumption of confirmation. What he means here is that the White House, who by the Constitution gets to make uh, nominations to the Supreme Court, the president gets to select who his judges are, and the Senate gets to confirm them, but they should not assume that these folks are going to be confirmed. In other words, there's going to be a, uh, a battle over judges. And, of course, judges are the legacy that a president leaves. They last for years, lifetime appointments to the Supreme Court, and uh, it's a way that the president can influence the nation uh, for years to come, decades to come. And the United States Senate continually tries to deprive presidents of that. 
I think the um, the danger here is that what if there's a Democrat in the White House in the next term of office? Will this be turned around on the Democrats? They don't seem to be thinking about that as they refuse to consider uh, Judge Southwick and others who've been waiting for confirmation for quite a while. Gary Bauer writes this. He says, my friends, the liberals fully understand the role the federal judiciary has assumed in recent decades, and they are prepared to do whatever it takes to preserve this bastion of raw political power. With the Supreme Court acting as an unelected, super legislative tribunal that answers to no one, our courts have actually become active participants in the cultural war, a strategic ally of the left, helping to advance and legitimize a radical agenda that could not pass any legislature. That is so true. Um, many of the many of the laws that have never been able to pass in the House and in the Senate could never pass any legislature come upon us because of the United States Supreme Court. Witness Roe versus Wade, witness overturning uh, laws against homosexual practice, Lawrence versus Texas, and many, many others, many ways in which our freedoms have been curtailed through the courts. Liberal agendas have been placed into law because of the courts. Uh, The court in Massachusetts brought same-sex marriage to that state, and we're going to be battling that for a long time. Gary Bauer says our elected representatives did not vote to ban God from our public schools, nor did they create a right to abortion on demand or vote to redefine the meaning of marriage. And yet for taking the slightest step back, And guess what that step is? Upholding the ban on partial birth abortion. For taking that step and finding that Congress can, in fact, prohibit a gruesome procedure that a fellow New York Democrat once decried as infanticide. That's Daniel Patrick Moynihan, a senator. He's he's dead now. But he once said partial birth abortion was infanticide. But because the court upheld a ban on that heinous procedure... Now, they're holding up a very qualified nominee just to send a message that a a Republican president, a conservative president, isn't going to get his nominations. Gary Bauer uh, uh, continues to write, Senator Schumer feels the Supreme Court is dangerously out of balance. What is out of balance is the view that judges are little more than political hacks who must pass a liberal ideological litmus test. Ladies and gentlemen, give me a call. And uh, let me know if you think there's something wrong with these senators, especially these leaders in the Senate now on the Judiciary uh, Committee, like Charles Schumer, who are not allowing President Bush's nominees out for a vote in the full Senate. They're being bottled up. What they're doing is they're waiting for the uh, 2008 election. They're hoping their guy gets in and they'll be able to populate the courts. They'll be able to fill the vacancies that have basically been sitting there. Give us a call, 800-881-9270, if you have an opinion on this. Here's what Schumer said about Samuel Alito, the justice that basically took the place of Sandra Day O'Connor. He said, Alito shouldn't have been confirmed. There is no doubt we were hoodwinked. There were extensive hearings over Alito and Roberts. They were not hoodwinked. Uh, To avoid an even more conservative court, he said the Senate shouldn't confirm another Bush Supreme Court nominee except in extraordinary circumstances. So he's basically saying the Senate shouldn't do its job, its constitutional uh, task. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back to these 
confirmation battle. Senator Arlen Specter is a Republican. He headed the Judiciary Committee for many, many years. He's now the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee. He tends to be a liberal Republican. He's pro-abortion. But right now, he is pretty upset with the Democrats. He said that he'll use his power as ranking member of the Judiciary Committee to study the decisions of the Roberts Court to see if the new justices have ignored precedent. So he's going to stand with the Democrats on studying the decisions, but he also says that he's going to fight hard for the confirmation of Southwick and others. Uh, We are taking your calls to discuss this situation. The number is 800-881-9270, and Jackie is in Fort Worth. Jackie, go ahead. Hello there. Hey, I'm just going to, you know, I listen to a lot of talk shows, and there's always you know, things that aren't right. But what I need to know is, I mean, I agree with you 100%. It's crazy to have the, you know, the liberals running, stopping things that should be going. But what do we do? What can we do to change it? You know, it's frustrating to hear, 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 but not be able to do. Right. Well, um, because senators are your elected representatives, you can talk to them. One of the senators from the state of Texas, uh, John Cornyn, is on the Judiciary Committee. That's where Southwick is bottled up. And I'm sure he's not part of the problem. He's normally part of the solution in these areas. But he would be one just to call to talk to his office and tell him how strongly you feel about the president's judicial nominees uh, getting out of committee and getting out on the floor for a vote. If this nominee were uh, sent out to the floor of the United States Senate, he would be confirmed because there's no reason to vote against him. There are some very, very nebulous reasons that are being given uh, for bottling up Judge Southwick. And uh, the number to call any senator uh, is actually the Capitol switchboard number is 202 224 3121. 202 224 3121. Two, one. And so really that is the best way. And also just talk it up among your friends because this should not be happening. It's not fair. And uh, the reasons that Judge Southwick is being bottled up, I mean, he's such a great guy. He even served in Iraq. Uh, after being a judge, he actually took uh, a leave from that. And he went uh, and served a couple of years in Iraq. So he's a real patriot. Uh, but uh He's got a couple of charges that have been made against him. They couldn't find out of his hundreds of rulings anything to really nab him on or nail him on. So they went uh, to some rulings where he was just actually uh, not the author of the rulings, but he he joined them. And uh, in one of them, he they complained that uh, the opinions that he joined had used troubling words like homosexual lifestyle. And what this ruling did was took custody of an eight-year-old girl from her bisexual mother and gave it to her father. They didn't like that. Uh, They also didn't like a ruling where a woman was exonerated for using um, the N-word against a fellow employee. Uh, There were some extenuating circumstances, didn't excuse this, but she was not fired, and that was upheld. So, uh, you know, these are just ways of making a political statement saying that the president has no right to his nominees and it really isn't fair and it really shouldn't happen and uh, unfortunately for the democrats they're going to find out it's going to be turned around on them if they don't watch out well ladies and gentlemen next up how can we preserve our religious heritage in america one nation under god that's what we are 
but some people don't like that. We're going to ask Bill Murray about it. He's chairman of the Religious Freedom Coalition. Stay with us. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Penna Dexter, and on Friday I'm getting on a plane and going to Washington, D.C. And all over Washington, D.C., uh, there are monuments and uh, there are other artifacts of our American history, and some of them acknowledge our religious history and the fact that uh, this is one nation under God, as it says in the Pledge of Allegiance. And I've had the David Barton tour of the Capitol that uh, makes it very, very clear, if you've never had that tour, you should, that uh, this nation was founded by people who loved the Lord, and uh, many of them were godly Christians, and they fought hard for the freedoms that, uh, that we hold so dear. But there are forces that are trying to strip our religious heritage from the nation and also to remove the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, a new book out, The Pledge, One Nation Under God by William Murray, details that. And Bill Murray is with us. Hi, Bill. Thanks for being with me. Great. Good to be on the program with you, Penna. Listen, the first question I want to ask you, and I've heard your answer before, but for our listeners, people who have not heard you before, uh, how did you turn out so great after having a mom who actually was the one who got prayer out of the schools? Well, that that probably is the very reason. You know, one of the odd things, and I, I can't mention uh, really mention some names, but one of the things you find up here is uh, I know um, uh, really two senators and several congressmen that were raised in in really strange far left wing uh, uh, secular atheist environments like I was that uh, that turned out to uh, are, are to be extremely conservative well rounded uh, um, uh, men who who fight for the same things I do and it it is uh, I think more than anything else when you're raised in a a dysfunctional environment with either no god. Or with a um, um, some kind of a, a really warped ideas of of who God is, um, uh, you know, you are actually I think more likely to to be saved uh, because it it's like living in a dirty uh, a pond. You 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 know the duck in the dirty pond. You know, all you need to do is experience the clean pond once, and 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 you realize that uh, where you where you were, there's something wrong with it. Bill Murray is my guest. Of course, uh, his mother, whom uh, we've spoken of, whom we've spoken, was Madeline Murray O'Hare, and uh, she brought the court case that got, uh, I guess you'd call it government-led or teacher-led prayer out of the public schools. But uh, you know, I know Bill that God had His hand on you, and He's raised you up, and uh, you are the founder of the Religious Freedom Coalition, and you work hard, and you have great concern over our religious heritage and how our history is being rewritten, isn't it? Well, it it would be worse if if uh, I mean it's more than history. It's more than history. Uh, it is uh, not only rewriting of history, but it's a cleansing of history. It's almost Orwellian. Uh, this pretense that uh, that George Washington was a deist and and that Thomas Jefferson was probably an atheist and and uh, this is bizarre. Um, um, you know. Uh, 
George Washington over and over again invoked the name of the of, of the Savior, referred to himself as a Christian, in in uh, many of the orders that um, uh, that he gave, the written orders that he gave, he he literally used the words under God um, when he was talking about uh, this new nation un, under God and direct, directing his uh, his troops. Um, and uh, Thomas uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, himself on his monument, you said that you're coming here. Uh, one of his quotes on his monument here is, the God that gave us life gave us liberty. Mm. Um, he referred to himself as a Christian, although his, his, uh, by our standards it was a, um, you know, it was a, a little bit um, misty because he believed that, yes, Jesus was the Son of God, but he was not uh, a divine, which is, uh, you know, a kind of a contradiction. But uh, they they did believe that that liberty was that religious liberty was our first liberty that was the first freedom that was the foundation of all other liberties that without religious liberty you could not have uh, um, you you couldn't have uh, a freedom of press without religious liberty you couldn't have pre- freedom of expression with the, you couldn't have freedom of, of press you couldn't have freedom of of, of assembly. And uh, that is the big danger. It's more than rewriting our history. It is by eliminating that and eliminating the religious uh, freedom that goes along with that history, we also erode all of our other freedoms. You know, many of us have been aware of this, but I think what brought this to the radar screen of countless Americans was this battle over the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance and the fact that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals actually uh, ruled the wrong way on that, and people were really surprised about that, weren't they, Bill? Well, uh, yes, they were, and and, uh, unfortunately, it is back in the Ninth uh, uh, Circuit Court. Uh, atheist Michael Newdow is, a, is an extremely dangerous man, and, and I mention him and, and give some details on him in, in my book. But he is a he is a doctor. He's an extremely intelligent man, and he has gone out and gotten a law degree um, for the only purpose of pursuing suits like this. And he lost uh, the suit to remove under God when it finally reached the Supreme Court from the the Nutty Ninth or the Ninth Circuit uh, because of a technicality. He, so he's he, back at it. He, he well, yes, and this is why we're pursuing the Pledge Protection Act. He has actually won in a district court again in California, of course. And uh, the case has moved into the, the Ninth Circuit Court. This time, uh, he has set the case up as a lawyer. He has set it up similar to the way Roe v. Wade was, where he claims that he is representing unnamed parents who would face uh, persecution if they were named, that he is representing unnamed uh, uh, parents who have uh, children in school that are offended, and we could talk about that, too, uh, by the use of the word under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. And it has actually been in the circuit court, the Ninth Circuit, now for a record period of time. We expected the decision last month when when uh, uh, the pledge, One Nation Under God, came out. That court has now been under review by the Ninth Circuit for 13 months. Oh, amazing. The book is The Pledge, One Nation Under God, and the author, William Murray. And uh, William, we know, if we know our history, we know that under God was not always in the pledge, but it was added in 1954 because of the threat of atheistic communism. It's right that it should be there, but there continue to be these battles. And you mentioned something called the Pledge Protection Act. Is there a way? Because people always want to support something that, you know, good. Is there a way to actually protect the pledge? Well, ab- absolutely. Um, uh, there's a lot of confusion, and you know, in, in a lot of the, the particularly the the um, primary schools, people are told that we have three 
equal branches of government. Uh, that's just false. Um, there, all power actually resides with the Congress of the United States. Uh, uh, and, and as proof of that, the Congress can fire the President of the United States. Um, they can uh, take away his salary if they want to. They, could, uh, they can fire any judge that they want to. They can increase the size of the Supreme Court to 50 members or take it down to one. Uh, they can take away their budget. I mean, all power resides with the Congress of the United States. And part of that power, according to the Constitution, um, the Congress has the, the power to limit the, the judiciary in what they may and may not hear. And this is very broad. In fact, they can create courts that are only allowed to hear certain things. So uh, there is um, uh, what the Pledge Protection Act does is it very simply says that no federal court may um, um, render a decision on the issue of under God and the Pledge of Allegiance. It, it basically takes it out of all the federal court's purview, including the Ninth Circuit Court. Could you do this with other issues? I know the Pledge Protection Act has not become law, and it didn't in a Republican Congress, so the chances of it doing of happening in this Congress are pretty slim. But what about other issues? I mean, can you take oh, the courts oh. out of marriage, for instance? Well, you, you, you can, uh, oh yes. I mean, uh, uh, and, and in fact, this, uh, this is frequently used, uh, on, oddly enough, it is, it, it's used in, 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 in circumstances that most of us aren't aware of. For instance, if um, the discrimination laws, uh, the Congress simply exempts itself, and then when they exempt themselves, uh, they um, also add on a tagline that says no federal court can find otherwise. And um, uh, there have been some high profile when the uh, uh, Democrats controlled the Senate, uh, Senator Daschle, um, as an example. Previously, there was a forestry bill, and he did not want that uh, the forestry bill to apply to his state, so he exempted his state and then put in a, a, a clause at the end of it that said that no federal no federal court could find otherwise. So it isn't unusual until it comes to social issues. And, and, and uh, then everybody, their hair goes up and they said, oh, well, we can't have this because we can't have social issues. Uh, we can't direct the court, uh, the Congress can't direct the court to find on, on social issues. This isn't a social issue. This is about the core of government, whether our government re- has, is, is the ultimate power, whether our government is God and bureaucrats or the high priests of that government, or whether it is simply a civil government that is responsible to the moral laws of God. This is a great book. I recommend it, The Pledge, One Nation Under God. Bill, very quickly, uh, before we get to the end of the segment, what is the danger if uh, we allow this trend to continue that really strips our uh, strips religion from our society, our government? Well, I think we saw what happened in the 20th century when there was no God. Uh, when, when governments weren't responsible to God. And this is why, as we mentioned before, as you mentioned, that we put under God in the pledge to differentiate ourselves from the godless governments of the 20th century. Let's just take a look at those when there was no God present. The, the atheistic governments in the 20th century murdered more innocent people than died in all the wars in all of the history of mankind. Think of that. Now, these weren't people that died in war. These were people that were marched into concentration camps. They were people that were starved to death. They were people that were shot down. They were people, and uh, we're we're talking millions of people in the Ukraine, millions of people in the Soviet Union, millions of people in 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 in, in China, tens of millions in in China, a third of the population of of um, of, of of Cambodia. 
Um, this when we is, could go on and on if we had the time. That, that's right. That is the danger. When government is, it becomes God, we're all in trouble. Bill Murray, thank you so much for being with me today. I hope the book does uh, well. I highly recommend it. Thank you, and God bless. The Pledge, One Nation Under God. And next up, uh, as promised, I told you I would tell you about Congress is considering, I don't know, maybe it's Hillary Care too, something like it. We'll talk about it right after this. Generations of ministry leaders have one common point, a ministry education from the Criswell College in Dallas. To date, ministry leaders from the Criswell College are in service all over the world. With the fall term just around the corner, your education can follow this same distinguished path. An education from Criswell is grounded on the Christian worldview, witness, and God's Word, the Bible. The Word and Worldview focus of Criswell gives you a more effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ and prepares you for kingdom service. The fall semester registration is August 15th, 16th, and 17th. Classes begin August 20th. See Chriswell.edu for details on classes and the Master of Arts in Christian Leadership degree. Chriswell students are ready for the challenges of today's ministry environment. Classes in evangelism, missions, preaching, communications, all are fully accredited and small class sizes point the focus to your success. Find out more at 800-899-0012 and on the web at Chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I know of no facts to confirm her belief, and I know of no one else who has any facts or paper to confirm her belief. That's former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. He's been testifying today before the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee about the idea, actually the claims, of Pat Tillman's mother that there's been a cover-up of... uh, actually how he was killed uh, by friendly fire instead of enemy fire as he was serving our country as an army ranger in Afghanistan. These uh, testimonies are taking place, and we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But uh, also the uh, other battles taking place on Capitol Hill in the United States Congress, they are talking about reauthorizing a government-mandated, taxpayer-funded health care system for children in this country. It's been um, in effect for 10 years. It's being reauthorized, but it's much, much bigger, more comprehensive. And when we hear them talking in the presidential campaigns and promising all kinds of components to health care, watch your wallet and watch your freedoms. Uh, what they're doing with this children's program is expanding it, making it for older and older children. Uh, the Family Research Council says that it might end up uh, covering adults if we continue at the rate we're going at, and they're trying to stand firm against some of the provisions of this bill. Um, The FRC says that rather than simply updating the program, Democrats have offered a bill that would ensure that our children and our children's children will be paying for this expanded entitlement, is what they call it, and limited option well into their old age. In fact, the Heritage Foundation has found that the Senate ship expansion is going to add approximately $60 billion to the budget over 10 years. And FRC says the House version is just as financially irresponsible, but it does something else. It guts the current pro-life law and removes abstinence funding. One of the wonderful things in the ship bill Uh, In 2002, they put this in. It was called the Unborn Child Rule. It was something President Bush and his administration concocted. And basically, it allows states to provide prenatal care to unborn children 
and their mothers under ship. So in a sense, it covers young mothers who are pregnant. And that, we always thought it was so great because it acknowledges that that unborn child is a baby and worthy of getting this coverage. Well, uh, that's going to be stripped out if uh, the majority in the House of Representatives has its way. That vote is taking place, and uh, unfortunately, the new House bill's pregnant woman rule seeks to deny the existence of the child in utero, and uh, it still will cover the adolescent mother. But in uh, days down the line, because of this language, this would open the door to federal taxpayer-funded abortions, which is one of their goals, and... uh, President Bush may veto something like this, but down the line, if there's a Democrat uh, pro-abortion person in the White House, we see where that's going to go. So uh, it's too bad, but uh, that's what's taking place. Now, John Boehner, who is the House Minority Leader, he's fighting it, and uh, we'll see how well he does. And if you want to weigh in with your member of Congress, again, the Capitol switchboard is 202 224 3121-202-224-3121. You can talk to them about Hillary Care, too. Tell them you do not want to see SHIP reauthorized at its current level, and you certainly don't want to see the pro-life language stripped out of it. Well, let's go back to uh, Patrick Tillman, uh, Army Ranger, killed uh, friendly fire in Afghanistan. He was serving our country. He was a former NFL football player. And uh, Donald Rumsfeld testified today there's this charge of a cover-up. He read from a memo that he sent to Department of Defense employees early in his tenure. It says, do nothing that could raise questions about the credibility of DOD. Department officials must tell the truth and must be believed to be telling the truth or our important work is undermined. And uh, basically by that, he's saying that uh, in no way did we cover this up? We should never do that. This would have brought tremendous criticism to the Department of Defense, and we simply would not do that. Now, uh, the Army has already laid most of the blame for the response to Tillman's death. And, and again, it was five weeks before it was made public that he was killed by friendly fire and not enemy fire. That blame has been laid on Philip Kensinger, a retired three-star general. He led special uh, operations in the Army uh, after September 11th. 2001 after those attacks, and the Army censured him for a failure of leadership, accused him of lying to investigators and pr- uh, who were probing the aftermath of Tillman's death. Uh, but they're going further. They want to find other people to blame for this. Donald Rumsfeld said that the Pentagon regrets the way the matter was handled. The handling of the circumstances surrounding Corporal Tillman's death could only have added to the pain of losing a loved one. I personally, and I'm sure all connected with the department, extend our deep regrets. Rumsfeld, uh, certainly sorry about this. Uh, Very interesting. At the funeral, um, he had a brother. Uh, Pat Tillman had a brother, Kevin, that was also serving with him. And he had other brothers, at least one other brother, named Rich. And at the funeral, uh, he said something very interesting. At this funeral, of course, there was uh, sort of an ecumenical service. The Bible was read, the Koran was read, the Book of Mormon was read, Emerson and Thoreau were read, uh, but uh, Pat Tillman's brother Rich stated, he isn't with God, he wasn't religious, uh, and that's unfortunate. Uh, we'll go back to the testimony again, Donald Rumsfeld uh, again responding to these accusations and responding to 
the claim by Pat Tillman's mother, and uh, you got to feel for her as you do for all the parents who are losing loved ones, losing their children, serving us. But Rumsfeld said there's nothing to back up the claims of Tillman's mom uh, of a government cover-up. I know of no facts to confirm her belief, and I know of no one else who has any facts or paper to confirm her belief. That's Donald Rumsfeld. And ladies and gentlemen, um, I think it's sad when uh, Pat Tillman's brother says, Pat Tillman isn't with God. He wasn't religious. He was a really good guy, a really good guy, and he had his priorities right. Uh, But at least according to his brother, he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's really sad. And uh, others can know Jesus Christ. It would be really sad if someone said at your funeral that you weren't with God uh, because you weren't religious. But we know the gospel, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died. He was buried. And then he rose again on the third day. And then, as you look at the scriptures in the gospels, in John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him to them... He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As many as received him, to them he came, uh, gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's that faith, that saving faith. And then in chapter 3 of John, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, as others perish. Some are perishing. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, join us tomorrow for Jerry Johnson Live. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.